Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to the Times Talk on Georgia College Connections. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. On Saturday, August 12th, protests and counter-protests focused on the removal of a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee from a park in Charlottesville, Virginia, erupted into violence. The day's events ended in death and destruction when 20-year-old James Alex Fields allegedly drove his car into a group of counter-protesters, leading to the injury of 19 people and the death of 32-year-old Heather Hayers. Further fanning the flame, that afternoon, President Donald Trump condemned an egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. The president continued playing both sides of the argument, condemning white supremacist groups and those who came out to protest those white supremacy group, white supremacist groups' demonstrations. In the next Times Talk, scheduled for noon tomorrow in the Georgia College Library, we discuss the topic, Charlottesville. How did we get here? Where do we go? I'm joined in the studio today by Stacy Milner, the director of the Cultural Center at Georgia College, and Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College. They, along with Professor Stephanie, they, along with Professor Stephanie McClure, will lead the conversation at noon tomorrow in the Georgia College Library. And of course, it's a free and open to the public conversation, so please consider this your invitation to join the discussion at the Times Talk. Jennifer Graham, Stacy Milner, welcome to the WRGC studios. Thank Thanks. you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me on this important conversation. I want to start off just at the title of tomorrow's Times Talk. Of course, it's called Charlottesville. How did we get here? Where do we go? And I just want to ask, where is here? Where are we now as a country in the wake of what we saw in Charlottesville and in the lifetimes of history leading up to it? Well, I think where we are um, is a modern-day civil rights movement. Um, I think what you see now is a, a culmination of what was many decades ago. People talk about there's no racism or racism doesn't exist or racism is back, but, you know, the reality is, is that racism never left. And so what you see now are people have become more bold in their expressions. And as people come more bold in their expressions, you have people who are just as equally passionate and as equally bold to resist those things that does not feel right. You know, we're still fighting for equality. We're still fighting, you know, to be treated fair and all of those things. And so when you look at it now and you look at what was during the civil rights movement, you know, back in the day, it is identically the same. It's just more modernized. It's fashioned up. It's just dressed up. But it ideally, it is the same. Yeah. I think to continue kind of that thought, we have to remember we're 154 years out from the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. 
when we think about the history of our country, the history of the world, 154 years is a pretty small amount of time. And when we take and we think back to the civil rights movement, we're less than 50 years Mm -hmm. from the end of that movement. We have many people in our community and our nation who are alive during the civil rights movement. We have people whose grandparents, great-grandparents, were alive during the Emancipation Proclamation, and those stories have been told through families, through generations. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to have those things in context and to think about when we are thinking about kind of where are we now? Why does this protest around a Confederate memorial statue matter? Well, because those things were actually, when we think about the the history of our nation, were pretty recent Mm -hmm. occurrences. And when we talk about the emancipation proclamation and the history since then is that even a good starting point for the road to equality since even beyond those shall we say governmental acts to try to imbue the nation with some sense of a departure towards equality we have harbored very many counter currents to progress towards equality and those have really failed to have been addressed in the end of the Civil War and since really since the Civil Rights Movement. Has there been any marked points where we have seen a glimpse of what we want out of our country uh, in terms of quality, social equity? Are we still just on that journey, maybe not even on mountaintops, maybe not in valleys low, just still walking the plains? We're still walking the plains. Mm-hmm. Like we we haven't even touched the surface. And mm-hmm. that's sad to say when you have great people like Martin Luther King, who, you know, I feel like kind of set the stage um, in, and in his speech, in his I Have a Dream speech, he talked about black people, white people, Jews and Gentiles, you know, coming together. And it's sad to see in 2017 that we have not transcended, you know, so we're still on that journey. We haven't. We haven't technically descended, but we, like, we haven't plateaued yet. Like, we haven't plateaued. We haven't increased or any of those things. We're still trekking down that path, and we need something to help get us over that hump. We have these spurts of hope, you know, and it's like with those with those spurts of, of those glimmers of hope, I see with the election of President Barack Obama, that was... A glimmer of hope and in your mind you're like okay we're trucking the hill we're trucking the hill that is sad that we have not transcended that our trajectory for equality to be seen as a human being and not by your skin color has not transcended past what was and i think as a white person when i see those glimmers of hope i think there's a tendency for us to become complacent and doing the work that needs to be done because mm-hmm. we're like, oh, wait, we can see we can see that top of that mountain of equality. Like, look, it's there. Okay, well, we can kind of like hang back, enjoy the ride maybe a little bit more. Maybe, there, maybe we don't need to keep up the pace the way we do when really we do and we should. And we find then those times of complacency is where we... We take that step back. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and just to, to piggyback off of that, I think we have to get to a point to where we look at history and we say... What are those places in history that pushed us to that next level? Mm -hmm. You know, when we brought the majority in, women's suffrage, when you bring the majority in, like that's where you transcend and you see change. But we have to do more. And more is 
you know, educating each other. And there are going to be people who say, it's not my responsibility to educate you as a white individual. You need to go out there and seek the information and find it for yourself. But as our current president, 45, says, there's so much fake news out there, then how do you know what is the truth? And as a person of color, I'd rather for you to come to me and ask the question so that you're getting firsthand information than for you to go and Google what some folks say as fake news. I think having real conversations and dialoguing with each other and learning is no different when we tell students peer-to-peer education is how students learn the best. And that's the same thing for adults. We have to get to a place where we're having those hard conversations and we're pushing ourselves outside of the box. We have to get to that place because that's the only way that we're going to actually say we're actually climbing that mountain. We're out of time in this segment of our conversation. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections. Today, we're previewing the next Times Talk, which is entitled Charlottesville. How did we get here? Where do we go? I'm joined in the studio today by Stacy Milner, the director of the Georgia College Cultural Center, and Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more. Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to this Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections here on WRGC 88.3 FM. As I said, this is a Times Talk edition, and so I want to welcome you to the weekly Current Events and Ideas Symposium that takes place each Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. These events are free and open to the public, so if you're enjoying our conversation today, if you feel you have a part to play in the discussion, please consider coming out to the Times talk at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. This next Times talk is under the title Charlottesville. How did we get here? Where do we go? I'm joined in the studio by Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College, and Stacy Milner, the director of the Cultural Center at Georgia College. They also will be joined by Stephanie McClure, professor at Georgia College. And that all takes place again tomorrow at noon in the Georgia College Library. Now, in the wake of the events at Charlottesville, there has been a lot of comparisons, comparisons made to events in our shared history, parallels between protesters of today, protesters of yesteryear. And so I want to uh, start off with just a question about what are the comparisons for what we saw in Charlottesville? I would venture to say that what we saw in the events of Charlottesville were comparable to some of the days of the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s when mobs of people forcibly resisted progress towards social equality. Do you all see any comparisons to that time or other times? I wonder if you might share what those comparisons might be and how they uh, play out. I think you see a lot of comparisons. For me, the comparison comes into play where 
You see people protesting for equality. You see people protesting just to be heard. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier that for me, there really is no difference. It's just modern. When you say modern, what are some of the characteristics that make it modern? So how social media plays into people's interactions and their thoughts and their feelings, how people are very quick to just take something and run with it. Back in the days, you could not, in the 50s and 60s, there was no such thing as social media. So you didn't know what was going on in Boston. You didn't know what was going on in Michigan. And what we see now is you take a small group and they're out you know, in Atlanta, they're protesting Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, those kind of things. But then the next thing you know, somebody's filmed it. And all of a sudden, now Boston has a mass crowd. And now Virginia has a mass crowd. And so when I talk about modernization, I'm talking about how social media plays into advocacy, how social media plays into people's interpretation of what's going on into the world. And then when you talk about free speech, everybody is using social media just to get the word out. And so free speech now is all over the place. Social media is kind of like the essence or foreground for free speech. So when you're talking about modernization with regards to the two comparisons, I think that's where you see the most modern fashion when you're talking about protesting and comparing the civil rights movement then and today Social media does make it more modernized. I think some of the things for me that stand out is that during the civil rights movement, the KKK had open rallies, mm-hmm. very public. There were torches, there was yelling, there was screaming, there were burning crosses, those sorts of things in very public ways. And it was done to incite fear. It's something that Stacey and I talked about before that mm-hmm. the cause of that the root of that was to cause fear in the lives of people. And that's something that I saw, particularly Friday night of the Charlottesville rallies, is that that looked like a Klan rally of yesteryear, just minus the hoods. And and that's true. Like, the difference in then and now, too, is people are so bold. It's the pretense of, I don't want to be seen or, or something of that magnitude. But what you saw in Charlottesville is people didn't care they didn't care who would see. They didn't, there was no respect of my workplace or my home life or how would it affect my children. I'm going to go out and I'm going to protest or advocate for what I feel. And again, that goes back to that modernization. And then when you're talking about contrast and comparison, those are things that you see. They were hooded back then. These people were showing their faces saying their, who they, their names were. Well, I think another contrast is that on the part of, of the counter-protesters. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, when we think about the civil rights movement, I think the standard that we all look to is Martin Luther King in the nonviolent modes of protest. But, of course, we forget that there were other people protesting segregation and uh, racial inequality and were not interested in nonviolence because Mm -hmm. they unfortunately saw the assassination of Martin Luther King King Jr., Mm -hmm. uh, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, Mm -hmm. and so many others. The terroristic violence played out on other volunteers and 
this generation is not looking at it in the same way. Mm-hmm. What is y'all's take on this more hardened resistance to inequality? I think it is bolder. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think it is more violent, like the counter-protesting. Yes, there are some groups of counter-protesters, particularly some of the anti-fascist groups, who do engage in violence. That is not the majority of the folks who are speaking out right now. And I think that the, they get lumped together. And I, I think that can also be said for some on the mm-hmm. alt-right, that there are some on the alt-right who are not being violent but then you have some that are that are, are yeah and carrying torches and mm-hmm. I walking say, about with guns openly so, carried mm-hmm. and with yes. the intent of with the intent of uh, causing fear when you look at like the protests that have transpired they have been peaceful up until this point and it's always funny to hear how people criticize black lives matter movement but you know they're just walking in the street saying black lives matter that's it. Nobody has pitchforks or tiki torches with fire coming out of it. They don't have bats and, you know, these weapons. People have their phones. They're holding hands. So once carrying again, signs. they're carrying signs, <laughs> which is similar to the civil rights movement back in the day. The other, the one thing that was drastically different for me in Charlottesville that really stood out was the counter protesters. They were not all black. They weren't. You saw a majority of white people counter-protesting this group, this alt-right movement. And then to see them go head to head, it was like, well, wow. That's not what I really want to say, but this is the radio, so I'll say, wow. (laughs) Because in those moments as a person of color, you want to say, well, okay, so some people really are getting it. It doesn't take a mob of black people to go and protest for equality when there are some white people who realize that what black people have been saying for years is that this isn't fair. They don't have the same rights as we do. They don't, they're not getting the same advantages that we do. Like I recognize my privilege, but in recognizing my privilege, I know that I need to be able to combat the other person that looks like me that has the same privilege and be like, hold up, wait a minute. And I think with the counter-protesters, that's exactly their mentality on that day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's happened again. We're out of time in this segment. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections. We're having another Times Talk edition of this program. Of course, the Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Consider this your invitation to join the discussion again each Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. Today, we are previewing the Times Talk topic, Charlottesville. How did we get here? Where do we go? I'm joined in the studio by Stacy Milner, the director of the Cultural Center at Georgia College, and Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. This is a Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections. So we are previewing tomorrow's Times Talk. Of course, the Times Talk takes place each Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. Consider this your invitation to come out and join the discussion. Today, we are talking about Charlottesville. How did we get here and where do we go? I'm joined in the studio by Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College, and Stacy Milner, the director of the Georgia College Cultural Center. Now, one of the a little bit less publicized parts of the weekend of activities at Charlottesville, Virginia, was a torch-lit march put on by the Unite the Right groups through the campus of the University of Virginia on Friday night. Now, of course, it was it was a planned rally and had been organized to some extent with permits that were allowed by at least the city of Charlottesville. And that was one of the first friction points between these white supremacist, alt-right, white nationalist, nationalist, ultra-conservative, did I say alt-right again, protesters, <laughs> and counter-protesters there who were defending the other side of the argument, which is, I believe we would, I guess would say, people who are there for equality, equity. And it seems that our universities are becoming venues for these arguments over issues mm -hmm. And really, I think the expression of freedom of speech and the freedom to assemble. Now, how do we prepare our campus communities for seemingly a new era of divisiveness? So I think universities historically have been a place for conversations and difficult conversations to happen. That's since the first university mm -hmm. was founded, like those mm -hmm. kind of things have been happening. And so I think in some ways the university campus is uniquely poised to have these conversations and to offer a venue for difficult conversations, figuring things out and fettering. That's where the free speech zones come from. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of, yes, you know, I have colleagues in other states on other campuses who are telling me that they are hearing about alt-right groups trying to recruit students on their campus, trying to bring in speakers, do things that they know are going to incite a response, uh, not necessarily incite violence, but to incite a response. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think one of the things we can do on a university campus is, A, is to provide a forum for difficult conversations to take place. We can't ignore it. We can't bury our heads in the sand and pretend none of this is happening. It's one of the reasons that we're doing this Times Talk is to provide a forum for conversation. I think another thing we can do is is to be prepared if violent protests are showing up on our campus, to be prepared with having counter-programming, whether that's a counter-protest that's happening on a different area of campus, whether that's bringing in a speaker or a concert or some, some counter-programming that's going to occur at the same time but is going to take, the wind, out take of the, the wind out of the sails of this group who's trying to incite a response of some kind and have that speaker or that concert be one that has a unifying theme you know so we're gonna have fun at a concert or, or just you know I think to take the wind out of the sails is a, is a good way of putting it yeah so I think we just have to be prepared have a plan in place yeah because at the end of the day 
these groups want to incite fear on the most vulnerable, you know, people on campuses because you got to think about a college student. This is their first time away from home for a significant amount of time. College is like the first real decisions that they make, although most parents make that decision for them. But, <laughs> you know, it is it is the place where is the place where most of them will make their first decisions. And it is where they will be challenged, like the things mm-hmm. that they were taught by parents and grandparents and uncles and whatever their belief is will be challenged to the utmost it will be challenged. And so you have these people who move in and they kind of swoon over and they tell them all these things that makes them fearful. And they say to them like, but we can combat that fear because all we have to do is this. And so it's easy for students to fall into it. What we as an institution have to do better at is to practice what we preach. Our values, our mission says, you know, we're preparing students to be global thinkers and to be socially aware and culturally competent and all those things. And we have to actually start doing those things. And that goes back to education. Like we have to have the hard conversations. We have to challenge our faculty who are not having those hard conversations. And then also recognize those faculty and staff who are having those hard conversations. But at the end of the day, the hard conversations, we have to have them. It's the reason why we've never trucked up the hill. It's the reason why we're still stagnant and complacent in the place that we are, because nobody wants to push the envelope. Nobody wants to step outside of the box. You have the small few, but then that small few are the ones who get burnt out. They get tired because nobody listens. Nobody hears what we're saying, which is you've got to push the envelope. Like you have to do more than what we're doing. Like it was okay in the past to kind of touch the surface. No, technically it wasn't okay. It's the reason why we got to this mess is because we patted the surface and brushed it aside and said, it's okay. It's okay. And that's where white fragility comes into play because people like, this is making me so uncomfortable. I can't dialogue in this conversation with you, Jennifer, because you want to be (laughs) the victim right now. But as an institution, especially a predominantly white institution, Mm -hmm. we have to teach our students to have the conversation. And we have to demonstrate that as adults, faculty and staff, having the conversation, engaging in the conversation, showing them how to have the conversation, that it's okay for you to be passionate about something, but that if you're on the receiving end, that the reason why that person is passionate is because you're not listening. Open your ears and actually hear what it is that they have to say. And don't be afraid to ask questions because that's the only way that learning happens. And if we're going to be an institution who says we believe in all these things and our students are going to be the best students and we're trying to be on the track to preeminence, then that is what's going to get us on that track to preeminence. Well, we're about out of time in our conversation today. So it's time for our perennial last time's talk question. What do you hope that your audience gains from the conversation at this time's talk? I hope that they gain a willingness to lean into difficult conversations. I hope that they gain some new knowledge, some new education. I hope that they gain some empathy um, and a willingness to listen and seek to understand the experiences of others. I hope that they will commit to engaging in further conversation and further action and that that 
Times Talk won't be that checkbox that says, okay, I've done my thing. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I did the one thing I have to do, but that it will become a starting point, a jumping off point to have further conversations, to learn more, to dive deeper, to take action. All of the things that Jennifer just said, <laughs> all of the things, but to be intentional, to be intentional in the conversations that you're having. And like Jennifer said, don't be afraid to have the hard conversations. If you don't know how to have the hard conversations, find somebody who can facilitate the conversation for you to walk away from the time talk and, you know, feel like there are resources on campus where I can go to to ask questions. And I really want people to walk away with not being afraid to ask the question. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. And I would rather you ask me the question and me educate you than for you to go to WikiLeaks and Wikipedia and all those other fake news outlets to gain information. And then you're sitting there with all this knowledge about something that couldn't be any more further from the truth. Well, I want to thank you all for bringing this conversation to our radio audience here on this Times Talk edition of the Georgia Commons Connections. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Georgia Commons Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we had another in our series of collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. Of course, those Times Talk Take place at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia Commons Library. Consider this your invitation to this free and open to the public event. Today, we previewed the Times Talk entitled Charlottesville. How did we get here and where do we go? I was joined in the studio by Stacy Milner, the director of the Cultural Center at Georgia College, and Jennifer Graham, the director of the Women's Center at Georgia College. They will present alongside Professor Stephanie McClure again at noon tomorrow in the Georgia Collins Library. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia Collins Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.